Hey guys, this is Dallas from the great state of Texas. Hi, this is Rob from London, and you are listening to the Hood, Hood Rat, Rat Recap, Recap Podcast. Podcast. Podcast about the best bar band in the land, man. We are the Hood Rat Recap, and we are back. We are your steady stream of the unified scene, all the news and reviews of the band that you love, we love, but that annoying guy that sits behind you in work that claims he knows every indie band in the world. Whenever you ask him if he knows them, whenever you press him on it, he gets kind of quiet. Man, I don't believe you. Yeah, I don't believe him either, Craig. Hello, everybody. This is Stage Right Mike on the mic, and I can talk hold steady all night. And when I do want to talk hold steady heavy, I go all the way to Queens, to the unified scenes, the very own king of Queens, Gasper. Gasper, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good, Mike. But you know what? I've been trying to get people to call me James Bond. Why is that, Gasper? Well, because I'm the man with the license to kill. And how's that working out for you? It's going terrible. It's going terrible. People keep calling me Mr. Bean. I'll stick with the King of Queens. You got a license to stop telling jokes. (laughs) Oof. Uh, So, uh, I see what you did with the England theme there. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Before we jump into that, let's say hello to our third Mike and uh, our producer, Kevin is whatever. How you doing, Kevin? I'm still reeling from the Mr. Bean joke. I feel bad for Rowan Atkinson, poor guy. You love these. Stop it. I, I do, these. I do. I, I love James Bond, too. Sean Connery's <laughs> glad he's dead. <laughs> Kevin! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to, um, we got a long uh, episode ahead of us. So uh, if you guys want to jump right in, we got Dallas uh, returning to the show. He's, he's been a guest on us before. He's a good friend of the show. And our self-proclaimed biggest fan, uh, Rob, from the UK. So uh, pretty <laughs> excited to get to talking to him. What do you guys think? It reminds me of that movie, that thing you do. It's like, our one fan is here. <laughs> I mean, we had a great conversation. I kind of wanted to ask Dallas, what's it like being named after the city for the state he lives in? Because I don't know many Minneapolis's or Chicago's personally, but I know they exist. But there's also a lot of Austin's, too. There's Austin's. There's Brooklyn Decker. Like, there's a lot of, you know. We so. covered that a little bit. Dallas will tell you he is named for the Cowboys. He is named for the football team. Oh, that's rough as a Giants <laughs> fan. I'm glad we didn't go there. All right. But the, the episode was great. Uh, we had a great look at the Weekenders, which just happened. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait for everybody to hear it. Right, let's get to it. We're joined from across the pond today by Rob from London, Southeast London. Is that it, Rob? Yeah, that's right. Southeast London. And then um, we've got uh, somebody in my time zone, finally, Dallas from Dallas. How are you doing, Dallas? 
Doing good, Mike. How are you guys doing today? Good. I thought it'd be a great idea if you guys get us started on the weekenders. Uh, Rob, you know, as we say, is a resident there, and Dallas is a visitor. But you've been to a bunch of weekenders. How many? Do you remember how many you've been to, Dallas? All but the first one, according to my uh, weekenders poster collection. So. <laughs> <laughs> and Rob, you've been to everyone. Uh, yeah, I've been to every single weekender, including the first one, which I don't think they called it the weekender at that point, but it was a pretty obvious, uh, um, it was a pretty obvious name to give it. But yeah, uh, so I've been to, I guess, every single one. Yeah, that's very similar to how Massive Night started because I remember being at the first residency style show that they did. And thinking to myself, and I think I even said to Heather, like, why would you not call this Massive Nights? Like, because I, I think those ideas came later, and I wonder how much of them came from Twitter of everybody saying, like, hey, we're going to call it this. Well, the first year in London, there was they um, advertised the first two nights at the Electric Ballroom, and then a bunch of people booked their flights over from wherever, you know. And then a few weeks later, they booked, they all um, added another date on the Sunday. Uh, obviously, the sales have gone really well, and they were um, to, they arranged that, um, which foxed a, a whole bunch of people that had already arranged their transport. But they did a pub quiz on the Sunday that year, um, where you got to have a roast dinner, you know, like a, a classic English roast dinner, um, and uh, with the band. It was a bit like a like a last waltz kind of thing. It was. Um, pretty pretty special actually and then they did a pub quiz afterwards which was um, uh, a music quiz but it had like hold steady rounds and uh, the guys that I just met literally that weekend and I um, called our team the weekenders uh, and we thought that's a brilliant title you know and until we found out there were other teams on the same quiz called the weekenders <laughs> <laughs> and we actually won the quiz um, but the the, they read out the name of the winner, and we weren't sure whether it was us or the, um, or the, <laughs> the, or the other, other team. Yeah, so we had That's a bit funny. of an I am, I am Spartacus kind of moment. So was, uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was cool. But then, of course, they changed. They they actually called it the Weekender after that. Gotcha. Now the the pub quiz is unique to the England uh, shows. Like, is that a thing? That's is that popular in pubs when it's not hold steady stuff? Like, oh yeah, yeah. Every pub, I would say, has a quiz maybe once a month or because like English people are famous for a lot of things. One of them is, uh, um, I guess, thinking they know everything. Um, So (laughs) that's why pub quiz is a really um, uh, big tradition over here. But Craig calls it something else like trivia or something. Yeah, we we refer to them as trivia nights, like trivia nights usually. Trivia nights, that's right. That's what it is. It's a trivia night. Right, which they do do them here, but like they're not – they don't seem as popular here as they do over there. Like here I think karaoke caught on a lot more than trivia night would. But Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a huge amount of competitiveness. We can come on to that in a minute because the Sunday (laughs) pub quiz was – there was a a lot of, you know – there was a lot of competition going on there and there were a few kind of, um, you know, a few people who disagreed with some of the answers. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so getting into the weekend is since we're talking about it in relation to the Brooklyn bowl, like massive nights is four nights, same venue, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Brooklyn bowl, 
you know where you're going. Same thing in the weekenders in London. Is it set up the same? Do they play the same venue all four nights? Do they spread around London? Because there's bigger parts. How do you sort of traverse the weekenders versus massive nights? So the first two nights are always at Electric Ballroom in Camden. Um, pretty much, I would say that's kind of the heart of Camden, right in that general area. Um, and then the third night is has so far been at a different venue every year um, in different parts of town. Right. And that, that venue is usually like way smaller, right? Like I remember the Moth Club. Yeah, it's like, a two, it's like a 200 cap, right. at 250 cap usually. Um, and those shows those shows are always special because of that. And that is know? a Sunday night, right? In, in London, they do play a Sunday night show, whereas in Brooklyn. Yeah. Okay. And those tickets are always really hard to get to. Um, <laughs> but I've, I've learned that it, it, it happened this year as well. So if anyone is going to go to a weekender trip, if you don't get the Sunday ticket, still plan to go to that show and just turn up to the venue. Because like this year, a buddy of, of ours couldn't go. And I was out front with Davey having a cigarette. And this guy was like, man, I got here a day late from Minneapolis because my plane was delayed. I'm just trying to find a ticket. And I texted my buddy Renee and I was like, hey, I know you're not going to make it. You want to sell this guy your ticket. And he just texted me the ticket. He was like, tell him to have fun. So Nice. That's that's something you see all the time in the whole study group, too, on Facebook. Like, you know, there's always someone who can't use a ticket or always someone trying to get rid of a ticket. And it's like, it reminds me of the Grateful Dead that way. Like, the, the miracle ticket. Like, it used to happen all the time when I was a kid. My, my dad was a big Dead fan, and we would go. And and that was the thing. But you'd see the guys in the parking lot with the sign, I need a miracle. And then you'd see that guy in the venue later. Like, he, he made right. it in. It's that same kind of community. And, uh, like, I don't know that I would book travel without any ticket. <laughs> <laughs> but if it was a show that I was desperate enough to go to, I probably would and just assume that somehow the goodness of the unified scene would, would get me in, you know? So, you know what show is like that? Is the, uh, we talked uh, on a previous episode about it. They're playing in Baltimore. Um, it's not even really a club. It's like somebody's living room. It's like 25 people. That, that they fit inside the place. And the only one I know that got a ticket there was Mike from uh, Roanoke. So I got to hit him up and be like, you got to come on the show and tell us about that, that <laughs> show. <laughs> it's a, it's not a whole steady show. It's a Craig Finn show, but um, okay. it looks incredible. Anyway, back to the weekenders. So now the Massive Nights is always the week after Thanksgiving. It's You could mark it on the calendar every year. Is it like that for the weekenders as well, or do the dates tend to shift? So this year it moved a week, um, okay. which – to steal a term from Rob really fucks my buddy's travel plans because he was, he was going on a European trip with his family and him and his brother booked the weekend that the weekender always is to be in London, um, which they were, but the weekender was not. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, shit, what are we going to do? But it was like a, just like a two week trip, you know? So you're not going to be able to move it. Um, so this year it was a week later than normal. Yeah, it has been, in the first couple of weeks of March for the whole time, definitely. Right. And I'm sure, so like COVID probably threw that off too, because wasn't it like the second weekenders, a streaming event basically that they didn't even know was going to happen? Was that the second or that might even be the third? Third, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, it was the third. No, it wasn't. It was the fourth, because oh, wow. first was 2018, second 2019. Third 2020, because that was yeah. literally like two days before the world ended. That's then, the one. I went back to work for two days after that one. And then they were like, hey, you work from home. And I was like, yeah, I kind of saw this coming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I 
that was so weird that but <laughs> yeah the, so it was the fourth one uh, when i think 20 2021 where it was uh it was done out of brooklyn bowl at a uh you know at a strange time for you guys but it worked really well for us so uh <laughs> yeah that's the one where the turtle shirt came from. I was going to say, isn't that the one with the yeah. turtles? Because I remember I was by Gazza's house. We watched that one <laughs> at his house because he bought the stream. And I feel like that was the one with the turtles. It was a weekender. It wasn't a Brooklyn Bowl show. Yeah. Right. It wasn't a massive night show. It was a Brooklyn Bowl. But no. I kind of enjoyed watching them in the early afternoon. It was like an early matinee, all ages show. I kind of, <laughs> it was different. I liked it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was later here. and But I yeah. still had my yeah. kids like, you know, on the screen just because everyone else did. So they were like, we want to go to bed, dad. But no. <laughs> As Rob using the kid to get on the stream. And meanwhile, the kid's like, I'm yeah, done with exactly, this. Can yeah. I go to sleep? Yeah. We'll stay here and hold this sign <laughs> up. <laughs> London loves you hold steady. I said, you're not getting breakfast tomorrow. Unless you do <laughs> uh, so now, did you guys go to any of the in-stores? Uh, prior to the weekender shows, I did not. Unfortunately, um, I had travel plans to go see fellow Unified member scene Davy McDonald up in Edinburgh, and so I was there in time for those shows. And I will forever kick myself for having not gone to them, but I also would kick myself for not having gone up to Edinburgh for a couple of days and and seen that because it was beautiful. So yeah, yeah, and I didn't because I made the decision that. I was seeing them enough, having having done four nights of massive nights, three nights of weekender, then going to Chicago in uh, June, July. I thought maybe my wife would appreciate it if I was at home for a, a couple of nights, maybe. Um, but I still had ma- massive FOMO. So, uh, and I saw the set list from this from the sign um, from the um, store in store shows and the signings, and I just thought, oh man, they play, they finished with Oaks. And they played loads, a bunch of new stuff, including mm. songs that are not necessarily going to be on the um, the commercial release of the new record. So, yeah, I definitely felt a bit um, a bit of FOMO at that. Yeah, Death of the Punchline's getting a lot of talk for sure. Um, yeah, I'm excited to hear that wherever it winds up. Um, the interesting thing about the in-store shows to me is that if setlist is correct, they actually played the same show both places like uh, three song places, for song yeah. you know there was no changes which to me is, is a weird thing for the hold steady like they're usually notorious for switching things up but for whatever reason at those rough trade gigs they look song for song the same at least the one on the eighth and the ninth that i'm looking at, oh, look at that. yeah they did there were three shows because they played this they played two shows on the same day i think they did bristol and nottingham on the same day on the thursday Mm-hmm. And because um, I got friends, that, one that went to Bristol, one that went to Nottingham, and they literally played uh, song for song, the same set. Yeah. Huh. And that's that's different than the sound checks in Brooklyn. I mean, they're literally, they'll take a story, somebody will ask a question out of this audience, and they're like, well, let's play that's the song that relates to that question. Or, so they're just like, or they're like, what do you want to hear? They don't, it's like they don't have anything set, it seems like. I would imagine uh, that's probably, and Kevin, you'd probably know this best, and what you do um like an in-store you're probably on a tight schedule you know I mean? like you probably got to know exactly how long it's going to take so you plan it out and then it's just easier to have a set list i would imagine yeah i mean if you're doing two in one day which there's only one represented you kind of want to be to the minute but it you know 
bands know their song lengths. They know what falls where. It, it you know, and they're not to the second. So it's for a band like the Hold Steady that we've heard Craig talk about how much he thinks about it. I'm sure just in their mind, this was how they wanted to present the in-store and why deviate? Like, you know, and, and as we said, songs like Oaks that they don't play and the death of a punchline that's not even on the recorded album, you know, I imagine if you're a fan, you don't care that it's the same. Like it's such a good set list to begin with for that moment. And I'm sure it wasn't an expensive ticket and you're basically getting a full show, you know, what is it? Nine songs. Like, right. That that's that's a lot of music for a band just in an in-store. And two of those songs were not song. They are songs from the new record that were not played previously. Um, Paradito and I forget the death other of one. a punchline. Right, Dist- no, death of a punchline is the one that's not on the record. It was the distortions. Yeah, it's distortions of faith. It's, I've only got a photograph of the um, <laughs> of the someone took a photo of the set list on literally on the, on the stage. So what oh, is it called? Funny. Distortions. Distortions of faith, yeah. Distortions of faith. So at this point, you have like what eight songs off the record? Like I'm looking at least, yeah. yeah. That have been heard by at least someone. Um, Yeah, basically, Grand Junction, Sideways Skull, Carlos is crying, Understudies, Sixers, Perdido, Distortions of Faith. Right. And like I know you've commented, Kev, you've commented on that before because it's just that's just not the regular way. (laughs) <laughs> like you but wouldn't you know release what? this I, much of the record i will but. say this like i don't know if it's a fan thing i don't know if it's the way the hold steady fan is like youtube is not sort of overrun with a lot of live videos of this stuff so that's a band's kind of worry that's why you don't play music until it's out because right. you don't want to you know, you don't want people's first impression to be a live version which might be noisy or not mixed well like a bad iPhone microphone. Like, that's the only reason bands do it. I mean, right. uh, you know, don't necessarily do it. But Hold Steady fans don't do that. Like, you don't see a lot of phones out at a Hold Steady show. Like, when you're there, like, I go to shows all the time, and it's like, oh, I got to make sure I document this for Instagram or YouTube or TikTok or whatever bullshit. But, like, Hold Steady, like, they'd rather hold their drinks than their fucking phones. <laughs> props to them for that. Like, you know, that's, that's that the makes it fun, you know? Because we've got yeah, drinking in one hand right. and the other. So. <laughs> right. Trying to video and, and drink, you tend to spill the drink. And what you're paying for the alcohol, you'd rather just watch it and remember it in your head than have it on your phone. The first couple of weekenders on the Sunday, um, I think it might have been the first three, Craig actually made a point of talking to the audience and said, uh, you know, we're, we're out of Camden now. We're in a, a more intimate venue. So... Uh, let's try and keep this one uh, as a meeting of friends uh, and and keep your phones in your pockets. But he hasn't said it for the last two, I think. Um, I think it kind of goes without saying now that that's what the Sunday shows are like. And right. you can only get a ticket if you are like a really, you know, if you're really on top of it. And I think <laughs> that's there's an understanding that the, um, that the that kind of close knit fan base, I guess you just you know what you know, you know what the rules are and you know what you know what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. Yeah. I think it, it, it lends itself. Like, you know, there's the artists that have you put your phone in like a locked bag or whatever, like, which, you know, I understand their reasoning behind that, but like the relationship that the hold steady has with its fans kind of lends itself to not need that kind of thing. You ask, you ask yeah. your buddy to help you and your buddy helps you. You know what I mean? Like, right. And you think about how many bands could do the pub quiz thing where they put a uh, a member of the band on each team and like 
you know, considering these are like the most rabid fans you're likely to find, <laughs> um, you can't imagine, I don't know, uh, I don't know, let's say a, a band like the like a UK band 1975, like um, they've got a lot of rabid fans, but I think they'd probably tear the band members apart if <laughs> um, they were, they were, they got within uh, three or four feet of them. So um, I think it's a slightly different story, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same like with the, with the pubs after the gig, you know, like, Pretty much, if you're plugged into the scene, you know that you're going to go to the after party to the after bar with you know a dozen guys that you met at the show, and there's a good chance that the band's going to come strolling through the door, and you say hi or whatever, but nobody really just whips their ass about it, <laughs> you know? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, great set, you know? I came over to see you from wherever or whatever, and then let them move on because yeah. hey, they've got a hundred other people that are about to tell them the same shit and B they're also there to unwind and have a drink after a day at the office, you know, like, right. Yeah. Yeah. But they do offer incredible access to, to the band. It's, yeah. You see that across the board and you don't see that with a lot of almost anybody else really. Well, All since right. we've kind of talked about that, why don't we get into night one of the actual weekenders? I think it'd be a good sort of time to, as we have two experts who who were at that show to kind of get into that <laughs> evening, so in quotes, yeah. I'm gonna have to update my Twitter bio too. Expert <laughs> on night. <laughs> there you go. Well, you might be an expert on night two when we get oh. there. <laughs> Electric ballroom night one. What'd you think of the show? Um, so I want to mention that the opener for that show was really good. Um, I don't remember what they were called. Wax tree something um, wax tree cast thank you wax tree cast um kind of gave me some like old rilo kylie vibes um it was really good though like we turned up to watch that for a little bit thinking that we would probably just watch it get a spot and i actually really enjoyed watching them um so that's always a good start to a gig when a band you've never actually seen is the opener and you're like holy shit this band is good you know um and then as soon as they got done, we heard the sweet, sweet start of Lido's shuffle. Um, really turned up the energy for that for that set, and the boys came out and opened with Hornets, Hornets, which is always a great opening track. Um, I'd be interested to see how often they open with that because it, it feels like once per weekend show, that's an opener. I've definitely seen it yeah. myself about three times, so yeah. Okay. But I agree. That is one of my favorite walk-on songs. Last year, I think the Saturday night, they opened with um, Hornets. It is a great opener. And then um, Hornets in the Constructive Summer, and then Hurricane J, which great third track, great track in general, but always love seeing that one live. I don't know what it is about that song specifically, but like, it's one of those certain songs for me, you know? Uh, it's, it's the kind where you can almost drop your beer because you're like, holy shit, this is happening right in front of me, you know? Uh, <laughs> Jesse, I'm not joking around. I see the crowd you're hanging with, and those kids don't seem positive. Don't all the six make you tired? You know I never ask you to change, I only ask you to try. Why do 
I think one thing about it was that this year they played it at song number three on the first night, and that's an early appearance for what yeah. is, I guess, you know, a relatively deep cut. Um, mm. It's it's not one of the you know most obvious tracks to play early on, and um, from from not necessarily their most loved album, but a really great track, and actually it worked really really well at the early um, at the early position on that set. And I think that kind of set the mood for the rest of the night, actually. And I think there are a lot of really well-positioned tracks in that set list. Yeah, and it works great, too, because the sing-along parts of that are long and energetic. And so that really gets the crowd tied together. Um, and then they, they kicked into Party Pit, which, again, everyone just loves when Craig goes... Oh shit! Party <laughs> pit. Like, the room loses its mind every time I've seen that happen. I don't even know if people like the song. I think they just like hearing him say that, you know. But I think the best, the best bit in that song, when, apart from the the walk around, gonna walk around, gonna walk yeah. around, when they hands in the air, you know, side to side, which is always good fun. Um, uh, it's the line I walked walked across that grain belt bridge into bright new Minneapolis and everyone in the whole place puts the yeah. both arms up in the air for bright new Minneapolis. And that feels like that feels like a real uh, unified scene moment that because yeah. everybody in that room knows what, what he's singing about there, even if they've never been to Minneapolis, <laughs> which I would venture most of them have it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That line is like, so when I went to Minneapolis, I, I made a point of going to the Hennepin Avenue bridge and taking that picture with the gray belt side in the back. And it's the, it's my desktop at work. Like, nice. And it's one of my favorite pictures because of that line. And it's, it's funny. Cause like, Me too. if you go to mini, you go to Minneapolis and there's all of these references and you find yourself taking pictures of stuff that no other tourist is taking a picture of. <laughs> I, I have done exactly the same thing, Esper. I've uh, I've taken photos on random street corners because they're referenced in songs, and not always the best parts of town to be hanging about in. Actually, well. so, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Cedar Riverside and Cedar Sinai. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> so th this is really a solid set list for for night one, and. Um, Sixers and Sideway Skull are featured in it. How do those songs go over with the other song? Being that they're not as well known, obviously people don't have the the lyrics rec uh, memorized yet. Are they are they in there as strong as the other songs, or are people more reserved on them? I think Sideway Skull definitely people are excited about. Um, it's probably been played the most. Mm -hmm. I would have to guess live um, out of the new tunes. Sixers, I really enjoy, and I didn't see anyone having a bad time. Um, but I, you know, half of half of what I think a lot of the crowd enjoys is singing along, and so there is that small bit where, like, shit, I don't know the words to Sixers. <laughs> you know, like the only the the reassuring thing about it is no one else around you does either, so you're not like you're not the one guy that's like, oh, I just don't know this, you know. Um, so I would say that they were received quite well um what do you think rob yeah i think pretty well considering but we had we had had sixes for a couple of weeks by that point and i heard it for the first time i think at brooklyn bowl and uh i, I the bit that stuck stuck out to me was right at the end of the song where um it's just craig and the piano 
and he's singing crushing up pills at home watching basketball highlights which um when you when you can actually hear the lyrics and you hear what's being said it sounds so funny you know that's like the the image of that image of ha- that happening and that came across as well i think in london okay. um and you know i think for me that they sounded so much better live actually than they did in the record which is always a good sign um both of those tracks and in london do you know do you know what a sixer is does that make sense yeah, so we didn't, um, we weren't sure because a f- friend of mine who's American and I were debating it. And um, I said, I thought it was probably a six pack. And he said, no, it's probably a reference to the, is it Philadelphia 76ers, the um, basketball yes, team? Yes. Um, because of the basketball reference in the song. And then, and then well, we, we asked uh, on the sound check on the Saturday and Craig confirmed that it was both. So <laughs> we both won that one. So that was... <laughs> That was good, but it's not a term we use particularly. So we call it a six pack, or a, um, yeah, that that would be the term we'd use for that. Yeah, I think it's kind of an antiquated term here, and it, it was never anything we, me and Kevin, used as a kid. But we've heard it before for sure. That's because you guys are Yankees. Come, come down, <laughs> come down here, and you'll hear you'll hear some fifty year old man say sixer a lot while he's looking at the boat to go fishing. You know, like. <laughs> Got to grab a sixer and get my rod and reel. <laughs> Craig said it was from um, uh, a good example of it being used in popular culture was in the movie Days and Confused. Yeah. Um, where he says, "What's some the guy says to the you know the young the young kid who's like the um, main character? What's that in your your bag?" He said, "You know, sixer, uh, just just kind of to show off, you know." <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if it's more of a California thing then. Right, because that takes place in California. That that movie. It's. I, I don't remember beer usage in Dazed and Confused. It is a California, I think, uh, but it, uh, yeah. it's not the beer. That he has to get his fake ID. He doesn't need. No, he goes to the. Sh- he doesn't need a fake. And he goes to the store, and and the guy says, "How old are you?" And he says, 18. And the guy says, oh, I, had to look yeah, it up. Yeah. "I didn't want to just blazingly assert that it was set in Texas, but it's set in Texas." Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that's why Dallas knows it. The term. Well, I, I was like, if I say that and I'm wrong, I, I will be in deep shit. So let me look that up real quick. That's why we have post editing. No one's ever that <laughs> yeah, wrong. Yeah, like Matthew McConaughey couldn't cross state lines. We shouldn't have caught that so much. <laughs> you know, the cool lingo among certain vocations in New York is square bag, is what they call it. But that's kind of code. Oh, what is that? that sounds kind of square to me. Yeah. Because you put it in a brown paper bag when you're trying to conceal what it is. So, like, that is rectangular shaped, by the way, not square. Mm. Well, we're not bright. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the laws in London are a lot more um, lenient, I think, about drinking. Uh, People just drink cans on the street and no one cares, you know, it's fine. <laughs> Uh, it's it's weird when you go to, from like state to state. I I visited Dallas once a bunch of years back and was a little surprised about how things closed down. Like I remember getting picked up from the airport. We went to a bar, like I have a drink, the DJ's going, and then all of a sudden the night came to a screeching halt and I was like, get out. You're like, how do you people survive like this? Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the TABC, the Texas Alcohol Beverage Commission, are real real sticklers. They, yeah. They got a bug up their ass about that. And it That's- is 2, p- <laughs> or 2 a.m. on the dot. Like, you're out the door. And it's like not just the bars. Like, if yeah. you try to go to a 7-Eleven right after that and go pick up something, 
they're locked like they screw the doors shut. <laughs> uh-huh. Actually, the bar sells with drinks longer than anywhere else does. Oh, wow. So beer stops at midnight every night but Saturday, and then it goes to one. Um, and then on Sunday, until COVID, you couldn't buy beer before noon, which really fucked up football watching parties. <laughs> because, I, like, literally, you would walk into a grocery store, and there'd be, like, 10, 18 packs sitting by the checkout of guys that had walked up there to buy their beer. And they couldn't buy it. And so they're like, well, fuck all. And they just set it down and walked out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and it, it just happened for years, you know, like, because you wouldn't think about it. Yeah, you can buy beer around the clock here. <laughs> not in supermarkets, <laughs> you can, but not in um, uh, not in bars. Bars close, still close really early in the, in the UK, hmm. like midnight sometimes. Oh, wow. Hmm. Unless they're like late license ones, right? Yeah, and then they, if there's, you know, they tend to attract, you know, depends on the kind of bar and where you are, what part of town you're in. They tend to attract characters from whole study songs, basically. (laughs) Well, that's all right, as long as you're in Camden and uh, places like that. But yeah, if you're in like a kind of a provincial town and you want to go out past midnight, then you've got to contend with the locals and um, whatever. whatever chips they might have on their shoulder. So uh, mm. <laughs> hope, hope their football team won that day. Because, right. Exactly. Yeah. Which they definitely didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Team. <laughs> yeah. You can say team. <laughs> so before we move off night one, did anyone have anything else from the set? Oh yeah. Um, so around 10, 11, 12 in the set list was entitlement crew, which I think we've talked about it before on the podcast. Right? I know you guys have, like how quickly that song just became an old hold steady song that everyone knew. I think right. from the second time it was played, like everyone was like, Oh yeah, this is a hold steady song. I've always known it, you know? Right. Um, and they went straight into Lord, I'm discouraged after that, uh, featuring Steve's double necked guitar, <laughs> which, uh, Craig announced typically, typically lives in the U S but for some reason it made it over on this trip. <laughs> and so that was, that was exciting, and as expected, the room kind of went nuts, you know, when that thing came out. And then they, yeah. they followed with Yeah, Sapphire, which was a, a good little good little three-song transition set there. Now, do you think Entitlement Crew, like you're saying, it was so well, like, you know, immediately included in, like, the whole steady canon? Is that because that was probably around the time when we started getting the horns? I don't think there was horns prior to that song, right? Uh, Not regularly. Not right. regularly, yeah. It's, and and that might have been released like th- maybe 13 months before it came out on album, too. That was the very first song off Thrashing Through the Passion, and it was a right. big, huge And it was lead. just a signal at the time. They didn't really yeah. – there wasn't even a record conceived at that point. But Yeah. Hmm. Now, in Brooklyn, we get a horn study. Are there horns in the U.K.? Is there a version? Is it our guys? Is it locals in London? How does that sort of play out? There is the horn study U.K., um, and I don't know – what cities and towns they live in, but they are the same guys each year. Um, and they are introduced with pomp and circumstance as they should be. Uh, <laughs> were they there night one? Or? Yeah. Okay. No, they weren't night one. Oh, were they not? No, they came night two. I'm no, looking at the uh, Alice is losing his expert status quickly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah it, was not, it was not long for this world. <laughs> It was the six that you drank that night, Dallas. <laughs> I was going to say, there was a lot of ciders at that point in the set. 
they, they had it on they they Hornsteady came out on Saturday. Oh, okay. Hornsteady UK, should I say. But yeah. They 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 that I've noticed that that does have a big influence on the set list. So um if they know they're only gonna get them one night, I guess they probably I guess the band probably pack them pack it all into one night so you get all the horn songs on the Saturday. Yeah, I just went back to the picture of the set list I have, and you're absolutely right. I I had one too many square bags that night, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just just to say about that set list as well, uh, you know, I think what Dallas just said about the the positioning of those three songs, uh, you know, really, really hit home really well. Um, Definitely made me move about. Um, And that was uh, a, a great example of what I was saying um, about the um, the set list being really kind of the, the 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 positions of the songs in this set list were kind of interesting and a bit different. One thing that really um, struck me was that uh, you got both Lord I'm Discouraged and First Night, which was the um, uh, the first song in the encore. And I don't think I've ever seen heard both of those songs in the same set list before, because maybe it's just me, but those songs kind of uh, occupy the same space in my head. I feel like they're one of them is the sequel of the other, and um, they sort of full, fulfil the same role on the on, on the albums that they're on. Uh, so it was really really good to to see that. In fact, she's in the hospital Not far from that bar where we met On that first night During first night, I I turned around and looked at the crowd And there was a group of, I'm going to say kids But they're probably in their mid-twenties behind me Um kind of linking arms and singing along to it and I thought that's an unusual uh, thing to see because yeah, I, you don't usually see people of that age without kind of older people or um, you know you don't see them kind of at the front of the Hold Steady shows it's usually older people yeah. or uh, younger people with their parents or whatever uh, and they're all linking arms and singing along to every word and I thought now that's the future of the Hold Steady there they're going to carry that forward and they're going to take that one um, take that one to their own kids. To add to that bit with the parents, uh, there's a guy, Tim, that I met at the Blackheart before the show that night, and it was his dad's fourth Hold Steady show, um, and it was his mom's first Hold Steady show. And so that was that was really cool. Like, hey, like, mom kind of got into the band. I was like, hey, all right, I'll go watch. And they watched from the balcony, and I, I caught up with him the next day, and he was like, next time she wants to be on the floor. And I was yeah. like, dude, that's, that's <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I've known Tim for years now, um, and he brought his dad along to the first show, and I was just quite impressed. And then I uh, saw um, saw his dad in the crowd at the Craig Finn solo shows, but Tim couldn't make it, so his dad just came by himself, which I thought was cool, because <laughs> awesome. it was Tim that was the fan in the first place, you know. 
funny. The kids at the shows will bring dads of their own. <laughs> and, and then Rob, you were you were telling us a story about like there's some guy you don't even know, and you guys like reenact the Pearl Jam ten album cover or something. <laughs> what was that all about? Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things about the crowd is that uh, you see the same faces uh, every year. This being, I guess, my fifth or sixth. Um, fifth I suppose uh, physical weekender you kind of see faces that you recognize we don't necessarily get the chance to actually you know meet them and find out what their name is and there's um there's a guy that I see every year and I don't know what his name is um but I think in the first year we uh during one of the songs we kind of uh, sort of I put, I put my um hand up in the air like you do and um, he kind of grabbed it and we sort of like held held hands in midair to, uh, during one of the bits and one of the songs and uh, did it saw him again on Friday night, you know, maybe like for the fifth time. And we did that kind of like clasping hands moment in the mosh pit and then just sort of went our own separate ways. And it was just a <laughs> pretty awesome. beautiful experience. So I'd like, love to know what this guy's name is. You know? <laughs> well, maybe I'll ask, maybe one day I'll ask him, you know. <laughs> and that's the cool thing about this, this community is like you have these traditions with strangers basically, but, they're not a stranger at this show. They're, you know, mm. th- these are your people. I really think that that element of the week, the weekend particularly has really grown over the years. I'm a, I'm a big, you know, big extrovert. I love having all people around me and to, for the number of like friendly faces to grow every year is just so invigorating for me. And to be linked by uh, the love of this relatively obscure band you know it's just an even bigger um bonus for me really and the crowd in the black heart before the friday night show was just yeah. like it, I, we, I, we kind I, of shut I, that place down when we show up on friday night yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it's a metal bar like it's a strange place to be they have like they had death metal bands playing above um <laughs> Uh, quite some quite um, some quite brutal sounding death metal bands like well, uh, playing. It is the, stairs, the, the weekenders. He does say he remembers the metal bar. So exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, it's appropriate for that reason, and that's one of the reasons why I'm in there. But yeah, I mean, that was the bar I met people for the first time in 2018, and like pretty much all those guys that I met there, uh, they're still coming to the weekender now. Uh, but we just know each other a lot better now. Yeah, the first time I turned up in there. Kind of looked around and like sheepishly asked a couple of people, like, hey, are you going to the hold steady tonight? You know? And now, like, we just walk in there, throw the door open, and we're like, this is, we're in the fucking bar tonight, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, there's no danger if there's no, there's no need to ask that question because every single person's wearing a hold steady t shirt, which right. is pretty good. <laughs> self, we started off with a corner yeah. section, and now, like, that entire half of the bar is just like, we take, we take up half the bar, yeah. <laughs> And it's not a tiny bar, is it? It's quite a yeah. quite a decent sized bar. <laughs> so, Rob, it sounds like night one went amazing for you. How did night two go for you? Well, before we get into night one, you went to um, Soundcheck, right? Yeah, that's oh, yeah, right. Soundcheck. That was night two, um, though, right? Not night one. Night two, yeah, that was okay. night two. But it was in the day of night two, so I yeah, think prior prior to the, the night, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let me tell a little story about that because I was walking to tapping the admiral which is where we typically meet up uh, night two before the gig. And it's like a 10 or 12 minute walk from electric ballroom. 
And I've done it enough times that I don't look it up on the navigation anymore. I just kind of take off on that journey. Um, and I was turning a corner and I saw Rob and a half a dozen other Hold Steady fans going the opposite direction. And I was like, wait, the bar's right over here. <laughs> like, tell me I'm not an idiot. He's like, oh, no, we're going to sound check. And I was like, okay. Like, I was about to be really let down in my navigation skills. Like, <laughs> you know, and then he's like, no, no, we're going to sound check. I was like, all right, good. Then I'm not an idiot, at least about this one thing. Uh, <laughs> But I got there and there were 50 or 60 people by the time we left there that were all getting together before the show as well, which is kind of back to the same point. Like it's the amount of people that I see three days a year, but I get so excited to see every year. It's yeah, right, it's really special. Uh, yeah, definitely. It, and that pub tapping the Avril, like I'd never heard of that pub before. And I, I probably would never have done if it weren't for the whole steady and, it's just in the middle of nowhere. It's right in the middle of like a residential area, hmm. uh, but it's yeah. just perfect for the hold steady. Like the you know great beers, kind of colourful locals as well. Um, <laughs> you a know, cat, you know, a cat. Yeah, a, an actual cat who does who gives zero fucks about everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like doesn't sounds care like a Ted Lasso episode or something. Yeah, it's a little bit like that. <laughs> but it's cool but yeah the the sound check on saturday was uh yeah that was great as these things typically are like first time i went to a sound check i was expecting it to be uh one of those actual sound checks where they're just testing testing the microphones you know one two one two and um i was a bit skeptical at first as to whether it was worth spending 50 pounds on but uh actually no that the um I've, I've i've learned over the years that they're kind of like a you know, quieter, intimate, more intimate gig uh, where they get to try out new material and stuff like that. And yeah, the, this year was definitely no exception. And the, uh, yeah, the vibe on Saturday night was, 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 well, Saturday afternoon, should I say, was, <laughs> was pretty cool. And um, they have like a, you know, a uniform, uh, I guess, for the sound checks as they do for on stage. A costume, you know, on stage it's you know it's, it's one thing, but then the the uniform off stage seems to be. Uh, Craig will put like a beanie hat on, and um, I guess it's cold <laughs> right. during the uh, during the venue during the day. But yeah, it was a an opportunity to play a few new songs as well. Um, nothing we hadn't heard before, but they did play on the Saturday night. Um, they did play one of the first kind of like rarity b-side type rarities uh wasn't on almost killed me uh but it was on the um deluxe edition uh, i think it might have been a uh, an early single in fact might have been um milk crate mosh which, oh sure um, Slums. She woke up in the Rocky Mountain dawn. A 
Felt all freed up of the fears that she could never really put your fingers on. Fingers on, fingers on, fingers on, and now we're gone. I don't think I'd heard before live. Um, and yeah, that sounded so different to. It just it highlights how different the, um, the the really early stuff is, and just how you know just just what a different fit it is to all right. of the other stuff. That one's I think it was an actual outtake. I don't know if it was ever released prior to the deluxe edition of Almost Kill Me, if I'm not mistaken. And to me, that was always like more of a. It almost sounds like more of a lifter puller song when it does the whole steady. Definitely. Song, but, uh, oh yeah. But, I totally agree. Yeah, that that was um, that was great to hear, though. I mean, right. really, you know, early deep cut. That's a that's a great thing to hear. And yeah. um, you know, I don't know how well that would work in a set, uh, in a live like evening concert set. So uh, you know, it's you get if that's the kind of thing you get in these sound checks is stuff that's a bit out of the uh, ordinary. <laughs> and they they did do a Q and A. Uh, with uh, that was led by a guy who um, writes for the NME and had written about the whole steady and um, I'm told uh, had given the whole steady one of their 10 out of 10 reviews. And um, as someone who used to work write for the NME as well, I, I know how difficult that is to get past the editors. Um, they wouldn't let you give any anything 10 out of 10. <laughs> they just assumed that you were some kind of fanboy and uh, <laughs> refused to take your opinion seriously. But yeah he did he did some good there were some good questions there and um yeah that was a you know it was a it was a pretty fun experience cool any questions that particularly stood out um well one um one somebody asked for uh, a request and craig really shut that down um <laughs> he wasn't uh he he basically said yeah no no, no we're not going to play that um it was a strange request um killer parties <laughs> which i thought was a really strange like it's not like you don't hear that song every night you know it's, uh, <laughs> that was somebody who wanted to leave the show early they wanted to get out of the show <laughs> yeah. early so like if i hear it at the yeah, sound yeah. check party i'm gonna cut out before the crowd goes <laughs> i don't know if killer parties works in a room that only has 50 people in it you know like yeah it was, I mean, and it at was this point, that song is like it's got its place, right? Like it's yeah, you, yeah. you know when it's going to be played. I don't think we'll ever hear it elsewhere. You know, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but the um, the other thing to mention about the sound check is the song Grand Junction, which they played. Um, they played later in that um, in the evening as well. Um, but I heard that song for the first time last year at the sound check when it was called Llama. I think oh, yeah, yeah. they had a working mm -hmm. title for it. And last year I, they played it and just moved on. And I put my hand up and said, what was that one called? Like, <laughs> and they said, oh, it's a new one. Um, it's called, his working title is Llama. And I thought, yeah, they're going to change that, definitely. But, <laughs> um, we got a bit of insight into the what the story of the song is. Mm -hmm. And I remember Craig saying it was um, about a... Uh, a guy whose girlfriend is, um, uh, I don't know what the, the best term is, I guess, sugar daddy. So she, she has these sugar daddies on the internet who buy her things from an Amazon wish list. <laughs> and um, uh, he's, not, he's not cool about it. 
and that's <laughs> what the song's about, apparently, which is yeah, a good bit of intel there, mm-hmm. I thought. Awesome. All right, so you want to jump into night two? Yeah. Um, first thing of note, since Rob mentioned their soundcheck uniforms that they had that day, <laughs> um, night two, Steve and Tad came out in matching white tuxedo coats. <laughs> Um, and Tad had on a big white bow tie, which I thought was, I don't really understand where that bit came from. Like if they just happened to see them in like a resale shop or something, but <laughs> it worked really well. Um, so it was, it was pretty hilarious. Cause you know, your front four, you have Franz who's always in his suit. And then you have Steve in his white tuxedo suit with his collar loose, you know, real <laughs> Memphis rock and roll kind of guy. And then Craig in his normal clothes, and then Tad in his white suit with his giant bow tie on. <laughs> and it was it was a striking visual, uh, and it was it was interesting. I don't really I don't know the the origin of that, but I I encourage them to do bits like that. It was, I think I think everyone lost their mind in a collective like what the fuck, and also this is brilliant, you know. <laughs> um, and they opened with stuck between stations that night, which. If you want to come out at a hold steady gig and have the entire room just tear the fucking place up, mm. that's that's a really good first track, you know. Um, and then they they moved into Swish. They paid. They played Barfruit Blues, which I feel like in the last few years they're playing live way more than they used to. Um, right. And I I am here for that definitely. Um, and speaking with a lot of folks after this set, and I I honestly could read down the whole set list right now, and and you would just be like, holy shit, you know. Um, <laughs> And the general response in person and online the next day was that Saturday night this year in Camden was one of the most rock and roll shows that, that people had seen the whole study, you know, from, from tip to tail. Like right. it was, they didn't, they didn't chat way too much. You know, they, they were just, they were out there playing fucking music on a Saturday night mm-hmm. and, and the room, the room responded in kind, you know, um, it was really good to see blackout Sam that night. Um, always love that tune. Yeah, that uh, if you look at the list, that that kind of represents the rest, I guess, because it is pretty much all harder, faster, upbeat songs until you get to Blackout Sam. Yeah, um, <laughs> they did. So again, and I, I don't know why I always focus on like three songs together, but Entitlement Crew, In the Heavy Covenant, and then Massive Nights, which I thought was just a brilliant placement. Right, um, and that was towards the end of the set pre-encore and so you were you know i don't know about you guys but at a certain point during every show i'm like oh shit the show's about to be over you know like i'm about about to run out of fun tonight and when you get those three in a row you're like never mind like it can end if it needs to because i've i just got a killer (laughs) three song back to back and they followed that with unpleasant breakfast and then stay positive and the minute that I saw Mosh Pit Josh come out on stage, and he was wearing one of those like chest-mounted GoPro things too, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll see the footage from that. Um, but if we do, I will have to watch for myself making a beeline from like the middle of the crowd to the absolute like middle of the Mosh Pit where all the shit was getting stirred because I was I was definitely going in there to stir a little myself, you know. Um, <laughs> that song always gets me gets me really excited about that. Um, and then they closed out the set with How Resurrection Really Feels, which I thought That's was a great, a great Saturday favorite, night close. Favorite yeah. Closer, yeah. Mm. Um, and then came back out for the encore, started out with Constructive Summer, which 
all of us know how the crowd reacts to that song. Um, I think a lot of people are just waiting the entire set to hear that song, basically. Mm-hmm. And so when they do, you can you can kind of feel a rise in the room from that one. Um, and then they, they followed that with Hot Soft Light, which honestly should probably be in most of their encore sets because right. that, song, that song is amazing. Um, and then Chicago seemed tired last night. That's one you don't get often, yeah. I've probably seen it four times now, and every time it's like the room is like shocked by it. Um, (laughs) Excited, but shocked. Like, oh shit, they're they're actually playing this one, you know? Um, And then close it out with Killer Parties, which we've come to expect. um, And that's a good thing, actually, you know? It's... You're never really let down with that song, and lucky they didn't play it at the sound check. So, <laughs> <laughs> typically, about a half a cup of beer filled with confetti at the end of that, and uh, that's not a bad thing either. So, and an interesting thing about night two versus night one, as you're saying, it's more of a straight ahead rock set list. Is that night two they didn't play any Teeth Dreams, they didn't play any Heaven Is Whenever, and you got a total of three on night one, and then night two it was almost like. And you had the horn steady, so it was like a conscious decision, like, we're just going to beat him up for two hours, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and then just leave him exhausted. I'm sure they were exhausted, because that's probably a very draining set, just knowing how they perform, too. That, that's a very heavy show for them. And then I, yeah. I wanted to do our, our, our Rocky Horror picture check. Um, the, you guys got Stevie Nicks on night two. Were there any women? We haven't even talked about this on the podcast yet. Were there any women's hats in the air? During that song? Not that I noticed. Um, again, things can happen around me uh, <laughs> that I don't necessarily catch. Um, I was surprised at Brooklyn Bowl. Every time they played it, there was a woman's hat being thrown in it today. Did you guys see that at all? <sighs> well, the we never Tyler talked Moore. about it. Yeah, Mary Tyler Moore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just, it was just, I don't, no, think, I, I don't think I picked up on that. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to watch it? for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been. Uh, I don't know if it was on the pro boards or the discord or somewhere, but there there's been a little bit of a chat about that. Um, someone know. had the brilliant idea to get some berets basically. And when they say Mary Tyler Moore, they would go flying in the air, um, right. which is a, it's a cool bit. Um, <laughs> I don't really know where to get one and really how to transport a bundle of them around very easily. But, they sell them in Camden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's also it's good because it's a it, it's a multi-purpose because you can use it in um, baby take off your beret mm, in um, yeah. most people are DJs as well. <laughs> That's right. I did see it get thrown twice. You're right. Yeah, they threw it at yeah. that moment too. Yep. Yeah. I looked out for it on the Sunday uh, when they played most people are DJs and there were no berets. I thought, oh, that's a shame. But you know, maybe I should bring one next time. You know, and if that if that comes and goes, that's fine. If it stays, that's great. But. It will it will still be second to the time that uh, somebody brought a whole bag of piano key neckties yes. to the show in, in Minneapolis, and I don't know who got that idea, but it was brilliant. And they were tossing them around. Steve ended up with one tied on his head like the Karate Kid. Uh, Craig actually, when they went off for the encore, went and tied his correctly and came back out wearing his piano key necktie. Right. I mean that 
I love the like whoever's that creative with those kind of ideas. I love that they're doing it because I'm apparently adult and I have never <laughs> thought to do that kind of thing. But uh, I love that that there's that creativity in the fan base as well. You know, it it is kind of Rocky Horror though, isn't it? As you say, it's uh, yeah. the shows have gotten it, very Rocky Horror though. It's yeah. like Mike said, like at some point we're going to start throwing toast. You know, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that has happened definitely. Yeah, <laughs> um, I I bought confetti for the first time this year. I actually wow. kind of pre-ordered it on Amazon just to make sure that I had the right color <laughs> because it's not easy to, I, I actually, uh, when I went to Brooklyn, I actually ended up spending, you know, several hours wandering around New York, trying to find the right kind of confetti to throw at the shows. And I, I couldn't. And so I thought I'm not going to make that same mistake now. I'm going to pre-order it for the weekend. <laughs> uh, I'm glad I did because, uh, it was, uh, it, I've never seen so much confetti um as as i did at the the london shows this year like it was just air it, it was just everywhere when it when um when the when the right point came along in hood rat and uh yeah it felt good to be a part of that this time awesome and pro tip on the confetti thing because we've been dabbling that ourselves yeah you gave some out didn't you in, yeah uh, but i've in, i've in, learned in, that like those small flaky types of confetti do not fly well you want the longer stripped paper confetti exactly. Wide noodle ones, yeah. <laughs> there's also the uh the quarter size circular ones that seem to work pretty well too i'll have to look for them I have, those are the ones that i, I, I drink about 25 of those that night so <laughs> <laughs> i looked at my glass i was like well <laughs> i'm drinking <laughs> confetti buddy <laughs> now you you uh kev you brought up the the horn steady and uh this was something that Ke- uh craig said in his recap during unpleasant breakfast um, he said that people were singing along with the horn parts. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> that very, I've never seen very loudly, um, <laughs> which, was, which was great. And the horn steady played nine songs with them that night. Oh, wow. So that's a pretty, that's a, no, wait, 10, 10 songs with them. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, they, they do like the first five song block without them. Then they came out and did five songs and left. And then came out and did five, five more, which was, you know, I don't know that I've ever seen half the set list basically with horns. Yeah, that's, um, that's quite a bit. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Especially considering that that's that's the horn steady that the horn steady UK. It's not even right. The the default horn steady, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the transatlantic horn. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> It's the horn steady brought to you by Virgin, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Now, one thing I noticed about night one and two, so night two, they play Massive Nights, which you had brought up as a highlight of of the set. And to me, when they play Brooklyn, that's like, it's a theme song for the weekend. You know, to me, that's like, it's a highlight. They did not play uh, the Weekenders nights one or two. It doesn't look like night one. They played night one. Did they? That's the only time they played it. I noticed though was night one. Oh, Okay. So now so. does is that like a like a theme song you're looking for for the weekend? Like is that a, a highlight or, or a big point in the show or, or does it not go over as, as the same? You know, in my little pocket of people that I usually well, it's different people every show, but in the pockets that I end up in, typically whenever they play that, we all get a cheeky grin and look at each other like, Hey <laughs> you know, they're doing the thing with the name. <laughs> singing about us. The singing yeah, about and we, us. We, all, we all get a blast out of it, and we think we're the coolest guys in the room, you know. Uh, we're probably not. Um, <laughs> but he's a little side eye, like, hey, you noticed this? I noticed this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and now, Rob, like, so 
the weekender is is like your hometown show like is that a bigger song for you guys or or not so much um i don't know i don't know if i necessarily associate it with the weekender um it does like my overriding memory is when the kind of the first uh chorus comes in i'm always on the move at that point like i'm always like halfway up in the air because the 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 crowd is always kind of getting ready to really jump around to that bit so i think yeah there is an an understanding that that's kind of the theme song um okay but you know it's uh there are so many that get the crowd moving that right. everyone gets excited about that it's uh it's not like it's got a sp- specific reference like say massive nights does in brooklyn i don't think but you know i do think that the room gets excited whenever the line comes up she said the theme of the party was the industrial age and you came dressed, yes. you came dressed like a train wreck the the That's room right. usually kind of blows up for that part mm-hmm. um and i don't know if it's because we all feel like we're pretty much wrecked by that point of the show or <laughs> or if we think it's funny that the character in the song is or all the above, you know, but that definitely gets everybody like kind of, I don't want to say rejuvenated, but stoked on it, you know? Right. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot um, of air punching at that point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> air punching. There's, there's some shoulder hits going on, you know, just, <laughs> I'm curious too to transition sort of to night three, because night three now is a much smaller room than the first two. So, is the energy the same? Do you feel like you're in a more intimate show? Are the 250 people doing what 2,000 people do, just more <laughs> energy? Are you exhausted? Like, how does the Sunday show, because we don't have that here. All of our shows, same venue, same massive crowd, every night sold out. So we don't get sort of that down underplay to sort of recover type show that you guys get at the weekenders. They're totally different shows for me. Yeah. Um, and this this year was, I guess it's always this way, but a lot of the time Sunday, the people that are going to that show, a lot of them came in from overseas or, or whatever. And so they don't really know anything about the neighborhood where that show is going to be. And so like this year, we all turned up to Colors probably an hour and a half, two hours before the gig. And I think we were all showing up to the neighborhood to see what bars were around to drink in. And the colors was open, so we all just went in. We're like, oh, okay. Um, because the lobby of that place was full by 4.30, you know. Or not the lobby, but the main bar area. Um, which was neat because, like, at all those smaller shows, the band's just walking back and forth, like, going and getting their shit together and all that. And nobody bothers them, but it's, you know, like we all know why we're here. And so like when they, when they walk by, it's like, Oh, there's Craig just, you know, cruising by. Um, and he's got his beanie on, of course, because it is pre-show time. Uh, <laughs> there have been a, the pub quiz before as well, hadn't there? So a lot of people oh, were already right. there because of the pub quiz, which was in that venue. Um, I didn't realize that's where the pub quiz was. Yeah. Okay. It was in the same venue. And, um, yeah, it was in the room just off the bar area where they ended up storing the equipment was where we did the pub quiz. So is the pub quiz like uh, a pay ticket thing, Rob? Like you buy a ticket, like a sound check party to go to? And how many people partake in that? Uh, So there were six teams because each team had a member of the band on it. And I'd say there were like somewhere between seven and ten people per team. So it was pretty – I mean, that's my estimate. It was a fairly big number. And, of course, a lot of the teams are – 
just mixed up with people you don't necessarily know. But um, I guess our t- I knew everyone on our table. Um, mm. I partly just through five five years of you know coming to the weekender and just getting to know the hardcore fans. But but yeah, we had um, uh, we had uh, Galen on our table who apologized in advance for his uh, general lack of knowledge about stuff but, <laughs> um, but he was he was pretty good we got we, you know we, we was he was really really good to me improperly and uh, you know sh- shoot the breeze and uh, he answered a, uh, helped us out with a few questions which was pretty good but it was a really good fun quiz you know really um, each round uh, it was it was uh, it was run by a guy called Martin Fitzgerald, who's a music journalist and author in the UK. Um, and he's, he has been a big fan of the whole steady since almost killed me. So, um, obvious choice. And, um, he and his, uh, uh, friends put the quiz together and it was really, really good. Each round had a theme of like the whole steady related theme. So the first round was called, um, uh, positive jam. And each, question had an answer that the art the um theme of each question was the decades from the 20s to the noughties mm-hmm. um and um there was a round called from the meatloaf to the billy joel where the first question was about meatloaf and the last question was about billy joel it was just <laughs> stuff like that and um the, my favorite round i think is sketchy metal where um <laughs> they have sketches of uh heavy metal album covers and you have to guess what the you have to name the band. That the, <laughs> oh, that's uh, awesome. That's awesome. I mean, what a great idea. That's right? a great that's idea. A, that is really yeah. fun. So which oh, team really won? Good. Which band member was able uh, to win it? Get, guess. Why don't you have a guess? <laughs> I'm going to go with Craig. I was going to guess Franz. It was Craig. It was Craig. Ah, well, Franz won last year, definitely, when, when okay. we had it in, um, uh, in ha- Hackney. But yeah, Craig, Craig basically, according to the guys that I was talking to who were on his team, they were like, yeah, he literally knew every answer. <laughs> so um, they were like, yeah, the, he was the only reason that we won was just because Craig just knew every single answer. <laughs> music quiz, you know, yeah. all about music. And uh, yeah, what Craig doesn't know about like music uh, doesn't isn't worth knowing. So yeah, he pr- pretty much cleaned up there. What was the hardest question that you think you got? Oh... So one, uh, there was a one of the questions was um, with a link, linking between um, punk rock and London. They did um, uh, which uh, name two Clash songs that have London underground stations in their title. Hmm. And um, we were like, oh, White Man in Hammersmith Palais. That's 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 one. And then we couldn't think of the other one. Um, we spent ages and we couldn't work it out. <laughs> and the answer was bank robber because there's a station called bank oh. and uh, everyone was like, Oh no, I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. And I just was just kicking myself for that. Cause I thought, oh, of course, you know, of course it was bank robber, <laughs> but yeah, it was tough. It was a tough quiz, but we, um, we, everyone really enjoyed it. And it's a good way to, it's a good excuse to drink, which is why the Brits <laughs> love pub quizzes, mm. I think. Right. So now to transition into our final night. Um, and I know in the past they've done like a fan favorite where you submit what you want to hear. Was that what happened here? Because the set list you get is, in my opinion, this is the best night. I don't think there was any – no, I I'm not aware of there being any like op- option to choose because okay. not the- I would have been all over that shit. But um, <laughs> – <laughs> 
Yeah, they didn't play Eureka. <laughs> yeah, no, no sign of Eureka, sadly. But, Multiple um, fake email accounts. But it was yeah, it was really good. Start, started with the feelers. That was a brilliant mm-hmm. way to start. Right. And you get like you get Adderall, you get multiple multitude of casualties sequestered in Memphis. I mean, just so many bangers in this one. This was a bit of a weird night uh, for myself because I was. I told you I was out front having a smoke with Davey, and we got that guy Mark from Minneapolis into the gig, um, and so he bought us around. And by the time we got back to where the actual the room where the, the show was, uh, basically people were spilling out into the entryway. And so we're like, oh shit, like we're gonna watch this from from the from the door. <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> which, you know, there were probably twenty of us that were just very unsafely standing in the exit <laughs> watching the gig. And it was kind of in a hallway, so we about halfway through the set dubbed ourselves dubbed ourselves the Hall Steady. Uh, <laughs> I've got a photo of this on our Instagram, like just literally packed into the hall like a bunch of idiots. But um <laughs> they played uh we can get together about middle of that set and like that that was a cool moment because like we could have been kind of bummed you know that that we didn't have like the best view or whatever but then they they played that and we were all just kind of arm in arm like fuck it you know we're here we're enjoying this like so that was a pretty special moment like out of a weird situation you know um <laughs> but yeah the set list that night was phenomenal um, family farm into entitlement crew into little hood rat friend. Like I thought that played really well together. Um, I don't know about everyone, but family farm has really like dug a spot into my, my musical liking. And I don't really, I don't really understand exactly why, <laughs> um, but I, but I really <laughs> like that tune. So anytime I get to see that, that's exciting. Um, and then they closed out the regular set with South town girls, which, Typically, every time I've seen that song live, the whole room is like swaying in one, you know, um, it's just really got that kind of driving uh, glue in that in that one specific part of the song, you know, that happens to repeat most of the song. So it, so it works. Um, <laughs> that was um, that song but when they when they when they got big over in the UK uh, was 2007. It was. Uh, um, no one had really heard of them particularly in the first two albums and they released um, Boys and Girls and brought it out over here in 2007 and they played a bunch of festivals and uh, I think that was uh, Southtown Girls was a, was you know a really good festival song and I think a lot of people uh, kind of that kind of drove uh, that song into a lot of people's hearts and um, I think we've got a we, we feel a a like a, a sort of kinship to that song over here. Um, yeah, my, my friend Beth from Vermont, who um, met properly for the first time, I think, in uh, Massive Nights, was saying that it's really funny to hear the Brits singing along with our uh, accents. You know, Southtown girls won't blow you away. 
Um, <laughs> even though we think we're singing in like American accents. You know, yeah, it sounds a bit, sounds a bit different. That song was one where whenever I was in Minneapolis, like as I'm just in my Uber or whatever, going everywhere, I was like, Oh, that place, that way, you know, like, uh, yeah. I think I was yeah. talking to the bartender at uh, CNC's, which is where the replacements spend a lot of their time hanging out and trying to just get a get a vibe for where else I should go. And he told me about Grumpy's, um, and there's two apparently. But he's like, make sure you go to the one northeast. And I was like, oh, on the 99 north side. You're like, not even meaning to say this bullshit back to him, you know. But like, <laughs> literally, my brain just switched off or on depending on how you want to look at it, and just. And he kind of looked at me. I was like, "No, sorry." <laughs> I was uh, I was telling the story the other night. Um, I think Dallas, when I was in, I went to Grumpy's Bar, um, and I don't know which one it is, but in Minneapolis, and I was served by Paddy Costello from Delivery yeah. Four. Um, uh, then then who, you enter the yeah. right Grumpies. <laughs> okay, right, cool. Yeah, and I was like, "Wow, <laughs> I've really come to the right place here." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was quite an experience, I have to say. Didn't order double whiskey, no Coke, no ice, though. I thought that was, a bit, <laughs> you know, that would have been a bit I'm, much. A bit on the nose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Night 3 also saw the live debut of Understudies, yeah. which had come out the Friday before. So how did that sort of go over live, being it was probably the first time anybody's heard it in that setting, was it? Did it kind of – because it's, it's sort of not the traditional – hold steady in a lot of ways there's some funk there's the the sort of ambient organ intro so is that weird coming out of you know like you said Southtown girls which is this big moment and then they go away and they come back with that how does it sort of play in the set being there seeing it live they probably did themselves a, a favor by having the break in between those two specific songs you know um I don't think they would ever follow it directly like that just because of the the change there is so would be so sudden, you know. Um I actually hadn't heard understudies until that night because there's this weird thing in my friend group where like you don't listen to a band that you're going to see before you go see them because if you do something inevitably is going to fuck up and like uh, <laughs> it, it started with one of my friends a long time ago and for some reason a handful of us very like religiously follow that, you know, like you don't listen to the hold steady when you're on the hold steady trip because like too many cosmic things could fuck up and ruin it. Um, so that was actually the first time I'd ever heard that song was that night in the room. So that was a cool experience for me because I had no idea what to expect from it. You know, I think they might've played it at the sound check on the Saturday. I feel like they did because Craig was telling the story about it what they uh about what it was all about and you know what what what's the deal with the baker and the um and the uh the actor and the baker you know <laughs> what the, what the relationship is is there and, but yeah unfortunately that was one where i'd been i'd been right at the front and I, I was literally the other end of the um room to dallas i was right at the front i think i was like two back from the front at the, at, during the whole set uh, and it got to the point when they finished southtown girls was like if i don't go to the toilet now then it's not going to end well. <laughs> so I literally had to kind of like squeeze my way through all the hall steady <laughs> at that point. And so I think I, I, I think I'm, I'm 
I think I missed that because by that point it was couldn't get back into the room effectively. So I was going to say, did, were you able shame. to get back to your? Because we've talked about the crowds and whatnot. Did were yeah. you able to get back to your spot before the end of the show? Or did no. you just hang with no, the whole? There's no point. I couldn't. Right. I'd, I'd have literally been. I wouldn't have even been in the hall. I'd right. have been just sort of standing behind the cloak where the coke room was, which was sort of in the next room. So I had to cut my losses and go to the bar at that point, which is quite unheard of, really. But mm-hmm. which was a wild thing too, because. I've read a lot of posts since then that there was plenty of room in the in the room. Really, I, I don't know. I didn't see it other than from where I saw it from, you know. Um, but you would you would think that if that was the case, that like security probably would have pushed us in because realistically, where we were standing was a terrible mm-hmm. safety. I, hazard, I just don't you know? think the venue was used to having crowds of that size, to be honest. Yeah, probably. And I, yeah. I, I mean, it was. I was, you know. I felt like we were completely rammed at the front there on that <laughs> Sunday. It didn't feel like there was any room in that venue at all. But where there was probably a bit of room was by the bar. So um, I guess they could have just moved people forward a bit. But it it they it felt like it had been oversold. I did think that, like, because I couldn't, you know, couldn't get back in to see the band. It was a bit of a shame, really, towards the end. They also, you're not going to believe this, but you should because it was a whole steady show. They ran out of beer. <laughs> They did. They ran, they ran out of pint glasses. They started running out of like seltzer and what other shit people could buy because they were all buying that because there was not beer. It was kind of a comedy of errors towards the end. Um, I don't think they should. They should change the, the name no, to Overser- oversold and overserved, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and like nobody was, nobody was pissed about it that I could tell. We were more just kind of laughing at the situation, like we drank the whole bar out of beer. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was like that. We we did literally drink every single beer in the bar, and they were there were no pint. They weren't serving pints anymore because they ran out of glasses. I mean, that's that's a sad story, isn't it? <laughs> that's hysterical. Now, Rob, uh, you said he told the story about understudies, um, and Mike yeah. and I have an ongoing debate about what's happening in the back of the bakery. Um, does he specifically oh. say? Yeah, I mean, Craig was very specific that it was uh, they go to get drugs. Right. Ah, oh, um, I was wrong. <laughs> I mean, I he, nice he actually was very open, <laughs> very candid care? about that. And um, you know, Craig can be quite coy sometimes. So it was, he was very he was very forensic about that song. Like he he, you know, he he went into great detail. He did. He made a point of saying as well that he doesn't himself experience insomnia. But he does find it very hard to go back um, and go to sleep immediately after a show. He has to go out somewhere. He has to go to the bar or he has to go for a run or whatever. I know he used to run. I don't know if he still does. He used to run as well. Um, And he says that he needs to do that to unwind after a show. Uh, But he said that this is what can happen if you take it too far uh, and you end up finding an all-night bakery where the baker is... uh, um, (laughs) Has a side hustle, let's put it that way. Right. <laughs> or maybe the bakery is the side hustle for the, uh, for the wholesale drugs operation. Who knows? So I guess to just sort of wrap it up, I'm just curious. what's How is Killer Parties different from 2000 to 200? Like, is it still the same? Does it feel – you still the same family? You're just smaller? I'm just – I've never been in a room that small with them, so I'm just curious how that whole ending feels to you guys. I would say it feels just as big, 
Um, one thing that I've noticed, and I don't think this was the first time, he's pretty frank with the smaller crowds. So, like, right when they finish the second to last song, he basically says, all right, I'm not going to bullshit you. We all know what's next, you know, and then starts his kind of little spoken word intro into the tune. And it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like it's passe. It's more like, hey, like, right. let's just be honest. You know, you don't make it to the small show without knowing <laughs> what the fuck is next. Like, <laughs> and so we're not going to we're not going to treat you like children. We're not going to coddle you. This is about to come. We're all going to have a great time doing it. And then we're done. You know, like it, it has that vibe. So like it, it may almost feel a little bigger in the small room on the last night because it is the period at the end of the sentence, you know, once Steve starts fiddling with his pedals and things, you know that nothing else is happening after that, you know, like, and he will fiddle with them for a while, but you're like, there's, there's nothing else. Like this weekend is over. Like, so yeah, it, it almost feels bigger in that, in that specific sense. Um, the energy is just as high with those people as it is with 10 times as many people, you know, he, he quite often, um, ends with uh when it's the last night he quite often ends with we woke up in london city or right. new york city yeah doesn't he which sort of says that's the end now right we're re- this really is the the period as you say at the end of the right. sentence and yeah it, it it feels exactly the same i would say uh, it sounds like it was an amazing weekend as as usual and uh I am jealous. <laughs> I will make it. I'll make it out to England one of these times. But we want to thank Dallas and Rob for for joining on this. This was great. It's great to see you back on the show, Dallas and Rob. I'm so happy we finally got you on the show. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah, thanks yeah. for inviting me to talk. It's yeah, been really good fun. You're welcome back anytime, man. Thanks, guys. So if it has to be a That's going to do it for us for another episode of the Hood Rat Recap Podcast. This was a great one. Thanks to Dallas and Rob yet again for hanging with us. Uh, If you like what you hear, give us a like or a listen on any of our social media. Tell a friend. Leave us a review or a comment. All of those things help. We even have a phone number that you could drop us an audio message and you might actually hear yourself on the Hood Rat Recap. So, Gasper, why don't you tell them where they could find all that information? Uh, so, yeah, if you're looking for our SpeakPipe or if you're looking for any of our social media, uh, where to subscribe to these episodes or past episodes, you could check out our link tree, which is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash the Hood Rat Recap. And uh, please check us out there. All right, so before we get out of here... Um, Some of our listeners may know if they get to the end of our episodes that I have a tradition of signing off uh, similar to the way Craig signs off his shows. Uh, But what some of you may not know if you haven't listened to the earlier episodes is it was Dallas that first did that on our our podcast. Dallas, I'd be honored if you take us out. Yeah, so uh, guys, that's Gasper. That's Kevin. That's Mike. That's Rob. I'm Dallas. All us guys and all you guys. We are all the Hood Rat Recap Podcast. The Coward Party Songs Kill Me.